morning, New City Church. Grateful to have each of you across our campuses today, or if you're watching online, we're glad to have you as well. We're finishing up a series that we've been in the last couple of weeks entitled The Art of Neighboring. We've been talking about the fact that what if what mattered most to Jesus mattered most to us? What if what mattered most to Jesus mattered most to us? And we haven't just been talking about that as a church here at New City. We've actually been joining churches across our city in this conversation about Jesus's great commandment, what mattered most to him. In fact, over 100 churches have uh, been a part of this Art of Neighboring series representing over 60,000 people. And it's amazing to think about the multiplicative effect of coming around this one simple commandment that Jesus gave, the greatest of commandments, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And what would happen if we did that? What would happen if what mattered most to Jesus, what he said mattered most, the great commandment, mattered most to us? And again, we've been so humbled and honored to join other churches across our city and seeing that happen. It's amazing to think about the fact that we live in a city, almost 2 million people plus in the greater Charlotte metro area, and statistically almost half of them, 1 million people in our city, don't claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Over 40,000 people moved to the Charlotte metro area in the past year. That's 500 plus people every single day. It's amazing to think about what's happening in our city and how many people are being added to our city every single day, every single week, every single month. So we wanna continue to have this conversation together about the great commandment and how it plays out all across our city with so many different people. But before we do, we wanted to pray for churches across our city and leadership, pastors across our city together as a church. So would you pray with us now? Father in heaven, we do give you thanks for this day that you've made. And we rejoice and we're really glad in it together. And we pray for churches across our city, for all churches in our city. God, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. I want to pray specifically today and all of us do together uh, in one heart for pastors across our city, for leadership across our city. Uh, Being a pastor, being a leader can be lonely, discouraging, difficult at times. And I'm sure there are pastors who are feeling that way even today. And we pray for them together as a church that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would uh, protect them, protect their hearts. And you would encourage them to continue to, to preach your word faithfully and to lift you high, Jesus. God, we're just so grateful for the people, Lord, the people that will be impacted by this this message, the art of neighboring, Lord. And we thank you for every life that will be touched, every heart that will be changed, and every need that will be met. Thank you that the impact will go far beyond the four walls of the church buildings, Lord, but it will go not only into the city, but into the world so that your name will be glorified. Thank you for your people and how you would shape the world through your gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the word neighbor comes from an old uh, English word, two old English words. The first word is nigh, near, and the second word is burr, which means dwelling. So literally the word neighbor means those who dwell near us. And we talked about last week that if we're going to love the people that live closest to us, we've got to be close to them. We've got to be present. I know that's a revolutionary idea, but if we're going to love the people who live closest to us, we've got to actually be present and we've got to be with them and spend time with them. The reality is most of our neighbors to us, if we're honest, are strangers. 
the reality is most of us don't even know their name. We, we know it now because we've done our map, right? We've all done that together. If you haven't gotten one of these, you can grab one on any of the campuses today or online. But we started this three weeks ago and we just said, hey, what if you just filled in the name of the eight closest neighbors to you? And, and, and again, we said, you know, you can't use pal or champ or tiger or you or friend or buddy or neighbor. You can't use any of those. You got to put real names and put it in a place where you can regularly see their names and pray for them. And we talked about the fact that most of us, our neighbors are strangers. Statistically, that's true, that we don't even know their names. But what if we move from being a neighbor to being an acquaintance? And then not just being an acquaintance with our neighbors, but moving into a relationship. All of us know that the, the, the best place, the best context to share the love of Jesus with someone is through relationship. And if we're going to do that with those who dwell closest to us, our neighbors, like Jesus called us to, we've got to move from stranger to acquaintance into relationship. And there are a lot of barriers to that. And we're going to talk about some of those today. But let me just say this. For many of us, the greatest mission field that exists right now is the mission field right across the street from us. It's the person who lives right across the street. It's the, it's the person who lives right down the hallway in our apartment complex. It's the person that lives right behind us. Again, God is bringing the world to this city. So many people are moving here from across the planet, all kinds of different backgrounds. And maybe just maybe God is bringing them here for such a time as this to connect with you and to learn about Jesus and his love for them. The Bible talks about this, actually. Uh, Paul talks about it in Acts chapter 17, this fact, the fact that God has placed each of us in, in, in allotted places for allotted seasons of time to lift him up and to share Jesus with people. When he's speaking in front of the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, better known as Mars Hill, he talks about this with Stoics and philosophers who are seeking after God, wondering, can God be known? Is God close to us? And this is what he says. If you have your scriptures, maybe open to Acts chapter 17, and let's look at verses 26 and 27. And this whole idea of the greatest mission field being right in front of us, right beside us in our neighbors. Paul said this, and he, Jesus, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So according to God's word, what Paul says here, you may have thought that God or uh, Bank of America moved you to Charlotte. You may have thought that it was just a, a family member or friend, uh, a relationship that brought you to Charlotte. And maybe it was on the surface, but actually underneath the surface of the job, the relationship, the circumstance was God's providence. Paul says that God has ordained certain places and, and, and drawn boundary lines, different nations, different places, but also people to live in those places and we all come from one person Adam and God has spread us out across the face of the earth and now the second Adam Jesus has come and called a people to himself and spread us out in allotted periods of time and places to make known the name of Jesus so maybe that changes the way that you think about your neighborhood your workplace the places and the period of time that we live in we live in in such an exciting Time. Again, so many people gathering around this place that God has placed us in. And maybe just maybe the greatest mission field that we have is the one right across the street, right in front of us. For many of you guys, your neighbors, they may not come to church right away. For many of them, they're at home right now. 
And for, and, and for many of them, you're going to be their church. Before they'll come to a place called the church, the church, the people of God, the real church, has to go out to be with them. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. Remember John 1.14? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Eugene Peterson said it this way in the message. The word became flesh, Jesus, the word, capital W, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And the enemy said, there goes the neighborhood. (laughs) Jesus left heaven and came to us, moved into our neighborhoods to explain himself to us. C.S. Lewis says that every single person, okay, every single person asks two basic questions from cradle to grave, consciously or subconsciously. You ready? Here's the first question. Is there a God? Is there a God? And here's the second question that Lewis said every single person asks, whether consciously or subconsciously, from, from birth to death. Can he be trusted? Is there a God and can he be trusted? Now listen to verse 27 again that they, people, should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he's actually not far from each one of us. We know that God is omnipresent, that he's everywhere, that he exists in every time and space. But we also know that God has created for himself a people, a royal priesthood, followers of Jesus, and he spread them out in specific periods of time and specific places to make him known. That's the heart of the art of neighboring. And what God's called us to, this amazing calling, what matters most to him? What if that mattered most to us? There are real barriers that stand in the way from us living this out, aren't there? From understanding this and every single day, Monday through Friday, living this out in our cul-de-sacs, in our apartment complexes, in our workplaces. Not just on the weekends, but when we come to church, but, but most importantly, when the church leaves the building and goes out into the city, into the world. Last week, we talked about the barrier, the real barrier of time. And we looked at a text from Luke chapter 10. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast or on the website. We talked about this story of two sisters. And we said, actually, it's not a story about two sisters. It's a story about two choices. Two choices about how we spend our time. And remember Jesus' words in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 through 42. He, He says to Martha, one of the sisters, Martha, Martha, you're concerned and anxious about many things. And if we're true as friends in here together, many of us carry in concerns and anxiety about many things, don't we? And Jesus says to her, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. There's a lot of good things, but only one thing is the best thing. So what matters most to Jesus? He said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people so that those people will one day do what? Love God. (laughs) To keep the main thing the main thing. Love God with everything that you are and love other people, namely the neighbors, those who dwell closest to you, as God has loved you. And inherent in that, guys, we've talked about this in this series about the great commandment, the art of neighboring. Those two words, the last two words of the great commandment, those can be the hardest words, can't they? As yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, those two final words. In other words, What Jesus is saying is you can't give away what you don't have. You've got to receive and experience amazing grace before you can give that to your neighbors. But the first barrier to to neighboring the way that God calls us to with those who live closest to us and this time that he's placed us in is overcoming the barrier of time. And the second barrier that we want to talk about today, and my my friend Pastor Rodney Gray is with me to share from Luke chapter 5, is the barrier of fear. 
the real fear that is involved in living out the art of neighboring. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I, you know, fear is, is uh, certainly something we need, that we need to deal with and talk about, particularly as it relates to the art of neighboring, because the fear, quite honestly, involved with stepping out and loving your neighbor is that it could get messy, right? It could get messy. In, in, in fact, the reason I believe that it gets messy is because just like any relationship, just like any relationship, the closer you get to another person, the greater the chance that it can get messy. Mm -hmm. In fact, closeness and intimacy always exposes imperfections. It always exposes imperfections. Mm -hmm. And the scary part, to me anyway, is that it, it requires vulnerability mm -hmm. to get close to somebody. And there's always risk involved yeah. when it comes to being vulnerable with another person. I think the question that we often need to ask ourselves is, does the reward outweigh the potential risk? Does the reward outweigh the risk? Because quite honestly, we struggle with the same fears, right? We struggle with, with rejection. We struggle with judgment and criticism. And, and quite honestly, simply the, the opinions of other people. We struggle with these opinions. But I love this in Luke 5, uh, verses 27 through 32. Uh, we see Jesus kind of modeling for us the art of neighboring. So if you have your scripture still open, uh, turn there and read with me as I read aloud. And it reads, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Very interesting scripture. And we see here uh, in verse 29 that Jesus is hanging out with those who are not like him. He's hanging out with those that are not like him, tax collectors and sinners. Now, let me, let me take a moment and remind you of who the tax collectors were. They were social outcasts. They were regarded as men of worse reputation. Men of worse reputation. Now, don't get me wrong, it was not a crime to be a tax collector. It was not a crime. In fact, Jesus, uh, he affirmed the legality of paying taxes when he said, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, if you remember that. But nonetheless, they were, they were despised as traitors and extortioners who had little inclination to religion. Little inclination to religion. This is why, if you remember in Luke chapter 3, Verse 13, John the Baptist said to the tax collectors that he baptized, he said, collect only what you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Collect only what you're supposed to. And as a class, they were excommunicated from the Jewish faith because they were Jews who worked for Rome. Mm -hmm. They were Jews who worked for Rome. And so as I looked at this, I asked myself, how is it that we begin to move past fear? Mm -hmm. How do we move past fear? And I love in this text, we see as Jesus models the art of neighboring for us, he models or demonstrates rather an understanding of two things. He demonstrates an understanding of two things. The first thing is the big picture, the big picture. He gets it. In other words, it's bigger than him. He understands that it's bigger than him. And often when it comes to, to neighboring, we focus on who? Ourselves, right? We focus on ourselves, how we feel or how we don't feel. We focus on the potential risk rather than the potential 
reward. This is what we focus on. And we noticed this, uh, the big picture that is, when we closed out our sense series in Acts chapter 28. If you remember, we looked at Acts 28, 20, when Paul said, it is because of Israel, because of the hope of Israel, that I'm bound with these chains. So he understood that it was bigger than him. And we see Jesus modeling the same thing for us. Jesus balanced being both insider-focused and outsider-focused. This is why Jesus could minister to all types of people. He could minister to his disciples. He could minister to those tax collectors and sinners. And this is part of the reason why in verse 30 and 31 that he could say, hey, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And that segues into the second thing that he demonstrates an understanding of, and that is what the number one priority is. The number one priority Jesus demonstrates is love. And so this is, this is very interesting for me um, because I believe in the body of Christ, we, we often put the cart before the horse. In other words, we, we put the great commission before the great commandment. In other words, we make, we make winning souls a priority rather than making loving people a priority. And I believe that love is the instrument by which we fulfill the great commission. In other words, the great the great commandment is the tool that we use to fulfill the great commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just heard, or we heard last week rather, uh, Chris say that Jesus answered a law question with love. He answered a law question with love. In fact, I believe that is how Jesus responded to everything and everybody, mm-hmm. with love, with love. Because see, I believe, New City, that we can only respond with what we've been resourced with. Mm-hmm. In other words, what is in here is what's gonna come out. Right. And I believe that the degree to which we respond in love is indicative to the degree at which we have received love. Chris just said it. You can't give what you don't have. Hmm. Can't give what you don't have. And see, loving people well makes winning their soul easier. Hmm. Loving people well makes winning their soul easier Hmm. because the truth of the matter is we may not win every soul, Hmm. but we can certainly love everybody. Right. We can certainly love everybody. I love John 13, 35, when the scripture says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. This is by this, if you have love one for another. Because the truth is, is it doesn't matter what it is that separates us. It doesn't matter whether it's race, whether it's culture or religion. It doesn't matter what separates us. We all have the same core need. We all have the same core need. And that's to be loved well, right? Mm -hmm. That's to be loved well. After all, it is love that saved us, right? Mm -hmm. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mm. When I read that, I read it like this. So for God so loved Rodney, Mm. for God so loved Chris, for God so loved our neighbor that he gave his only begotten son. My favorite scripture Mm. in in all of the Bible, my favorite scripture is Luke 23, 34. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. I remember years Mm. ago reading that and asking myself the question, how could he say that in the midst of all the pain he had to been feeling? In the midst of the ridicule, in the midst of the momentary separation from his father, how could he say that? Mm. And I realized he could say that 
Because he loves us. Yeah. Say that because he loves us. What if what mattered most to Jesus mattered most yeah. to us? I love a quote I read in a commentary that said that Jesus did not run or hide from the world in need, but he engaged with it realistically so that it, its real needs could be addressed. Its real needs, its real need to be loved. Mm. 1 John 4, 18 says that there is no fear in love, yeah. but perfect love cast out fear. Mm-hmm. Perfect love cast out fear. Mm. So I think for us, I think, you know, part of the challenge is, 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 is to balance it out because we know that fear happens to us, right? Fear happens. The question is whether or not we allow the love of God to cast that fear out. Yeah. And so with that said, Chris, I wanna, I'll ask you a question. Okay. Uh, as, as a pastor, somebody who's been in leadership, uh, what are some of the fears that you have experienced when it comes to the art of neighboring? Well, first of all, if, um, across our campuses, if you haven't had a chance to meet Rodney yet, uh, get to know Rodney. To know Rodney is to love Rodney um, and grateful to be able to, to share today together. Um, and I also want to foot stomp something that you said that I took some extra notes on. The whole idea that um, the, the best way to fulfill the Great Commission is by living out the Great Commandment. I love that. And I hadn't heard anyone teach it that way, but I think that's a wonderful, if you're taking notes or if you're not, maybe you should t- take a note on that. Um, the best way to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples is by fulfilling the Great Commandment, um, to, to love the Lord our God with everything that we have, heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's just a wonderful truth that you gave to us. I do want to answer, I will answer your question. Um, so for me, just to be very vulnerable and honest with you guys, um, probably the hardest thing in thinking about the art of neighboring and taking steps towards neighbors um, is the idea, I know this sounds really simple, but that we have to live together. Like, we, we, like I have to drive back to this neighborhood tomorrow. So if the conversation goes south, uh, if, it's, if it's awkward, if, there's, if, I, if I overshare and I cause tension in the relationship, um, if, I, if I push or ask, ask an extra question that they didn't like and there's something between us, we got to live together. Uh, we're, we're living right here in the same neighborhood. And so I think sometimes, sometimes it feels like it's easier to go and live out the call of God in the mission field if we can get on a plane and fly a couple thousand miles away and be really bold for Jesus uh, somewhere else and then I can come back home. Um, but it's more difficult with the folks that you're walking your dog uh, with, that you pass every single day, that you're at the mailbox every single day, that you're, uh, that you're down in the, the apartment complex and the, the sidewalks and, 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 and common areas. That's difficult. And I think just in answering your question, that probably is one of the biggest challenges for me personally is it's easier sometimes with our neighbors to talk about, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about Cam? What's going to happen? Like, what are we going to do? It's, we got two quarterbacks and I don't know, is Cam okay? What's going to happen? Um, it's easier to talk about that than it is to talk about things, matters of the heart and things that are really important and things of eternity and things of real significance. Um, but again, one of the things that we talked about is the fact that the reality is a lot of your neighbors are, are not going to open up the word of God. Um, you know, God willing, one day they will, but before they read God's word, they're going to read you. They're, they're going to listen to your words. They're going to, they're going to watch you and, uh, you better believe that your neighbors, uh, in, in your apartment complex, in your neighborhood, uh, they know you're a person of faith. They know you're like you do something on Sundays and you're not around and uh, that you're different. 
And what an opportunity, what a moment to be able to, to be Jesus with flesh on. That's what it means that Jesus was incarnate, that he came, he took on flesh, he lived with us, and now he's called us to, to do the same. But my biggest fear is just that I'm going to mess it up and then, you know, we're going to have to see each other at the mailbox and it's going to be awkward. Um, so I would, I would, we wrote questions for each other. So my question to Rodney is um, with so many people moving to our city, which is so wonderful. So many people from all across the world, different nationalities, different backgrounds. Um, we're heading into a you know, political season. I don't think we ever came out of political season. Um, like people are gonna start putting signs in their yards and staking out positions on things. And it can be a real divider for neighbors, right? A real barrier. So I guess the question is in talking about fear factor, like what have been some of your experiences in stepping out towards neighbors, people that dwell closest to you that are just come from a different background? Yeah, I, I love that question. You know, it's interesting, Jacqueline and I, we, we had this conversation a week or two ago because, uh, you know, we're the minority on our street. And so one of the things that we talked about and I've used personally in the past is I like to start rather than what's different, I start with what's common. You know, maybe there's some things that, that you have in common with your neighbor. Like maybe, maybe your children go to the same school or maybe you work out at the same gym, or, or there, there may be something that you have in common. If, mm-hmm. And if it's not something in common, maybe it's something that's close by. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a great Thai restaurant nearby mm-hmm. that you could either ask about or recommend. Yeah. Um, and here's something else I thought about uh, that's really worked well for me in the past is uh, going up and mentioning something that maybe you admire about your neighbor. I remember years ago living in, living in Maryland, and uh, I was in this, this season where I really wanted my grass to be nice and luscious and green. I was borderline obsessed with it. And so I remember, <laughs> I remember um, running the neighborhood, and, and I saw this house that had this lawn that was exactly what I wanted. And so I decided one day, I said, I'm going I'm to go up. I don't know these people. I'm going to go up to, to the door and just kind of introduce myself. And so I go up to the door, and I knock on the door, and a lady answers the door, and she's kind of, you know, peeking out at first, and, and I say, well, hey, listen, my name is Rodney. I live down the street. Um, I, I love your lawn. What, did you, what do you guys do? And, and she said, well, I don't know. Uh, my husband does it. He's not here. And I said, well, okay, well, all right. Well, if you, if you could, just please let him know that I came by. And so a couple of weeks go by, and I'm running through the neighborhood, and I see the guy in his lawn doing what he does. And so I, I, I walk up to him, and as I'm walking up to him, he's visibly apprehensive, like vi- visibly. And, and one of the things I thought of after the fact, uh, just as a side note, is one of the things that gave me courage or kept me going in spite of his opposition or apprehension was that I knew my motive was pure. Yeah. I knew my motive was pure. And so, so I go up to him, and, and I push, push through what I saw, and so we have a great conversation and he tells me what he does to kind of get his lawn the, the, way, the way it is. And so the, the really cool thing about that to me was we kind of developed like a mentor-mentee uh, grass revitalization kind of relationship, right? And so it was really cool because then he would, he would come down a block to, to my house. So it started with me going to him. Now he's coming to me, coming down my block, and I see him. Okay, all right, yeah, you're doing well. And so, so that was kind of really cool. Um, how that happened, and, and, and I thought about it afterwards where uh, what kind of opened the door for that was just me being vulnerable yeah. and willing to say, hey, I admire something about mm-hmm. you. So, so, you know, you can use, you can use that if, something, if it's something that you admire about, 
uh, someone close. So I hope I, I, hope yeah, I answered your question. Yeah, that's awesome. So we want to give a challenge. Uh, this is our last week in the series. And every week we've had an application and a tangible step to take, a challenge. So here's the challenge for week three as we finish up The Art of Neighboring, is to host a gathering in your neighborhood. That you would host a gathering in your apartment complex, wherever you live, a gathering of your neighbors together. And before you say, oh, Chris, Rodney, I can't, I, I can't do that. All right, hey, you've already, listen, you've already, you've already done the names, right? You've got the names, you're praying for your neighbors on a regular basis. Uh, you've already begun to, to step towards them. Last week, the challenge was the one-hour challenge, right? To, to move from just knowing people's names and being strangers to acquaintances and then go from there to learn stories. And now we're going to kind of bring it home by, by actually hosting a gathering in your home, uh, in your apartment complex. And, and what this does is it, is it begins to break down the walls between you and your neighbors. And it gives a common ground, as Rodney talked about, to have a really um, extraordinary conversation about your faith. You're building a relationship and a platform to share Jesus with your neighbors. And I want to just encourage you with a story actually from someone on our South Park campus, John and Stacy Brandenburg. Uh, if you know the Brandenburgs, a great family. Uh, they've been here for several years and they were sharing a story with me earlier about doing a gathering in their neighborhood. And it started at the bus stop. Um, Stacy was there and John was there too when they would drop their kids in the morning. And parents would, you know, it's a, it was a common place. It was a place where neighbors came together to drop their kids. And it was in that moment that they began to know their neighbors. And Stacy began to invite a lot of the moms back to their home for coffee and for tea throughout the school year. And then on the final day of the school year, I love this story, they hosted a gathering. And the way they did it was they just told all the parents in the neighborhood that when the kids got off the bus to start the summer, final day of the school year, we're going to host a pizza party at our house. And they had 50 plus of their neighbors uh, in their home building a relationship with them. You, you, you can do this. And there's a lot of focal points out there that you don't have to go to your neighbors and say, hey, we're going to I'm going to host a gathering. We're going to talk about your feelings. And um, I'm going to ask you about your political affiliations. And we're going to talk about our spirituality. You don't have to do that. And you wouldn't do that, right? Uh, there's a lot of things out there that, that are just easy wins and, and ways to gather people in your home, right? Whether it's for coffee or for tea or, or even like a fire pit, right? Um, set a fire in a fire pit, right? And, and, and ask people to come. And just gather around the fire. It's fire pit season. And, and it's amazing. I'll just speak, you know, as a guy. It's amazing. Like if you ask, you know, dudes in your neighborhood to come and we're going to talk about your emotions and your feelings and how things are going for you, um, they're not coming. If you have a fire, like a really nice fire and some guys get around the fire, it's amazing. Guys just start, I want to talk about, you know, my mom and growing up and my feelings. And, and it's amazing what a fire does. Uh, do you experience that? Yeah, it's because it's a focal point. You've created a, a gathering and a safe place for people to begin to relate to each other. The game. And it doesn't matter what the game is. Hey, what, you want to come over to my place and watch the game? Sure. I mean, I mean, and, and again, you don't, it doesn't matter what the game is. You could be, Ronnie's a Giants fan. It could be a Giants game. You, it doesn't matter. You could gather together to watch, watch the game. It could be cornhole, right? It's amazing. Uh, seriously, though, put cornhole out on your sidewalk. People will come and throw beanbags. And they'll stand for an hour or two and talk to each other. And they don't even know they're doing it because they're just playing the game. And what did you do? You created a space. You created a focal point. 
and, and that, that allowed people to gather in a way that was, was safe for them to do so. There's all kinds of ways to do this. And I just want to challenge you. We want to challenge you together to, to, to step out and host a gathering where you live, with the people who live closest to you. There's a couple of great opportunities coming up. The holidays are coming up, right? So, so even with something like Halloween, all of us, you know, we can have ha- opinions about Halloween and whatever. Maybe just set for just a moment, set opinions aside and see the opportunity. We had some friends visiting us, some, some missionaries from South Africa who stayed with us a few years ago, and they were here over Halloween, and we did the whole thing, and they were like amazed. Like people come out at, at night in your neighborhood and walk around, they wear weird things, and they're, you're giving candy. Like this is the strangest thing, but it's this cultural phenomenon, right? And people, are, your neighbors are going to come out of their house, and they're going to come to your home and knock on your door. So, so you know, don't hand out toothbrushes and pennies, you know, hand out good candy and, 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 and build relationships with your neighbors. You could call it Reformation Day. If that makes you feel better, you could say, let's talk about Martin Luther 500 years ago. Don't do that. Um, just use it as an opportunity. Um, Thanksgiving, so many of your neighbors, they, they move from different places around the world. They move from different places in the country. They don't have family to celebrate Thanksgiving with. Hey, we're frying a turkey. You guys want to come over? We'll watch the game. We'll have a fire pit. We'll do all of it <laughs> together, right? We'll play corn roll. We'll, we'll play corn roll. Um, come over. Just open your home up to them over Thanksgiving. We've got an, an incredible set of series coming up here. We're, we're doing a series in November called Giving Up, and we're going to talk about surrendering to God, the things that we hold closest to us, our time, our influence, our money, our, our gratitude. Anybody struggle with that? We're going to talk about everybody's struggles with that. We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about that? And at Christmas time, we're going to do a four-part series through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the wonderful prophecy about our coming Messiah, the four names of who Jesus is. It's a wonderful time to invite your neighbors to come. The, the, the first weekend of a new decade in 2020, Dr. Leighton Ford's going to be here, and he's going to share from all of his life and experience and wisdom about what matters most in life and how to start off the year right. Guys, these are incredible opportunities to invite your neighbors to come. But, but here's the thing, and I want to say this as your pastor, I want, and I want you to hear this. Before you invite them to come to a worship service, and we've got a lot of worship services. Last year, we did 501 worship services across our campuses just in one year. Lots of opportunities to worship God. We're going to do that every single weekend, lift high the name of Jesus, right? But before you invite them to come to a worship service, invite them into your home. Invite them to a gathering. Invite them to get to know you so that they're, they're, they're not just someone that you want to invite to church. They're someone that you want to invite into a relationship. Rodney said it, you know, let's put the great commandment as our tool to fulfill the great commission. Loving people as we love ourselves in the same way that we've been loved by God. So, so here's my challenge, okay, New City? Here's the challenge. I want us to learn a phrase together that we're going to use together going forward. It's really simple, okay? You guys ready? Come sit with me. Come sit with me. So instead of just saying to your neighbors, hey, na- hey champ, hey neighbor, uh, want, you want to wanna come to Christmas Eve? You, wanna, you know, we're having this thing? That's wonderful, but let's go a step further and say, hey, come sit with me. I know church can be intimidating. I know some of you grew up in church, some of your neighbors grew up in church and they got burned 
or something bad happened and they, have a, they don't want to go back to church. Uh, but George Barna says over and over again, over again, when people who don't go to church, people without a faith background or people who, who, who don't go to church regularly would come to church if one thing, I mean, overwhelmingly people answer this. People who don't go to church would come to church if one thing would happen. Bless you. If one thing would happen. <laughs> if a trusted person would invite them. Trusted person. A trusted neighbor, someone who's invested in them, who loves them for them, meets them where they are and invites say, hey, this is something really important to me that's really blessed our family. Why don't you come to church and come sit with me? Come sit with me. We have all these services, different campuses, whatever. Just come sit with me. I'll help you. I'll help you get your kids checked in. It can be intimidating coming to church for the first time. By the way, you know, we've put up some signage around our campuses. And, and I know some of you are like, why are we putting signage up? It's not for you. <laughs> it's not for you. It's for people who come here who have never been. They don't know where everything is on our campuses. They don't know where to check their, it's intimidating to come to a new place. So here's how we're gonna break that down. Come sit with me. You, you come and sit with me. I'll, I'll, I'll help you and then you guys can come and sit and we'll experience it together. There are real fear factors involved in living out, let's just be honest, in living out the art of neighboring. But because of what Jesus has given to us and the example that he set for us, Luke chapter five, he models for us what that looks like. So here's, 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 here's a challenge. Host a gathering in your neighborhood. Take a step towards your neighbors and be the person in your neighborhood to gather people together. Because here's the bottom line, done right here. Here's the bottom line for the whole series. What if what mattered most to Jesus mattered most to us? What if what mattered most to Jesus mattered most to us? This is what Jesus said matters most. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. To Christ alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. Turn on gracious God, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for not only reminding us of what's more important, but demonstrating what's more important. And that's love, that's people. So we thank you, Lord, for your work that you're doing all over the city and churches everywhere, Lord, that are preaching this message, Lord. And we thank you for the people that will be changed, that will be touched. But we thank you, Lord, that the reason we're even here is because you first loved us. Mm -hmm. And help us, Lord, to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. Knowing that before we invite people to church, let's invite them into our life. Yes. Let's get close to them. Help us, Lord, to push past fear and being uncomfortable and help us to be willing to be vulnerable because you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us and you call us to sacrifice a little bit of time and a little bit of fear so that we can not only be like you, but we, we can help others see who you are in us. So we bless you, Lord God. We thank you and we praise you not only for loving us, but for giving us the ability to love others the same way you love us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this privilege and the responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen.